Hi, I'm Jackie Goddard and this is Power to Speak, the podcast, where I talk to a mix of creatives, thought leaders, authors, in fact, anyone with an interesting and inspiring story to tell. How did they get here? What have they learned? And how can their journey help us mere mortals? In this episode, I talk to creative entrepreneurship coach, Rena Lang. If you're thinking of making the move into creative self-employment, then you're in the right place. Enjoy. So welcome, Rena Lang, to Power to Speak, the podcast. It's lovely to have you here. Now, Rena, you are a, oh, I had to write it down, creative entrepreneurship coach. Would you like to explain that for us, please? Of course. Thank you for having me here, first of all. Okay. Yes, I'm a creative entrepreneurship coach. I help professionals move out of their corporate careers into creative self-employment. So there is this strong belief out there that um, you cannot really make money with your creativity. Uh, we're all familiar with the concept of you know, starving artists. And that's what ho- what's holding so many starved artists uh, from actually exploring their full potential, full potential of their creativity and, and following that calling um, and actually figuring, what, figuring out ways to monetize their gifts and skills. But there is so much potential and it's a wrong belief. What often creatives lack is that entrepreneurial mindset and understanding how businesses run more than anything. That prevents them from succeeding. So this is where I step in. I help, I encourage those creatives to, to give them a chance, to give their ideas the potential a chance and uh, equip them with additional skills and mindsets that they need to mm-hmm. succeed and help them then uh, get a start on a new, on a new career mm-hmm. that yeah. they probably dreamt about for a long, long time. Yeah. And have you found then in lockdown, because I, I certainly myself have had time to be more creative. Obviously, I come from a creative background, um, but kind of like, like you're explaining, kind of got lost in working and, and thinking that my creativity was never going to earn me a living. You know, I was an actor. <laughs> I, was, I was never going to make any money. Um, and, but I think that is a limiting belief. And have you found then in lockdown that lots of people are now coming round to thinking, well, do you know what? I don't have to stay on this treadmill of, of working. That actually I could use my creativity. You know, are there more people out there wanting to do that now? Mm-hmm. I see actually two groups of people there right now. Those who became unemployed during COVID. Yeah. And now it's so hard to get a new job. So whether you want it or not, you have to rely on your own intelligence or your own gifts and skills to succeed. And often I think many people who lost their jobs in this time, they are becoming more and more aware that maybe this is my opportunity uh, to actually follow my inner calling and listen to it because I'm sitting at home all day long and that's what I do, you know, I kind of listen to myself all day long because if it forces you to face yourself. Yeah. That's one group of people. And then there is, of course, the other group of people who are now that they're as isolated because there are a lot of perks of being employed. You get to collaborate with other people, you get to work with other people, learn from them. But then now you're sitting at home and maybe even working more than before, just because, well, you are not commuting to work anymore, so why not work an hour longer, you know, every day? 
And so again, people are more and more forced to face themselves. And then they're asking themselves the questions, okay, what is the point? What is the point and how much more money do I actually need? And then they have the time now to actually work on their side hustles, you know, really working on something that um, perhaps is like a little joy project for them. And that's where I step in and I encourage them to, and I work with them uh, on figuring out what is it that you always wanted to do, what, what, what interested you and kind of tickle it out of, of, of them and giving a texture and potential and opportunity and, and framing it in a way, okay, if we kind of change slightly that idea, perhaps this is something we can sell. And really thinking about it strategically, not only, uh, okay, if, if you just want to kind of like write a book for the heck of it because you enjoy it, but you never really think about going full-time with it and making a living, living with it, then it's fine. Then you don't really need to change and reframe it in a, in a, in a different way. You can just continue uh, with it as a passion project. But if you're considering uh, leaving your job in three months, six months, one year from now, then what you want to do is ensure that by the time you leave, you have a steady income so that you can float. Because that's another thing. When you go entrepreneurial, money concerns, if you haven't built up your foundation, quickly money concerns become a big, big stumbling block for many. Yeah, And yeah. that's what actually leads them back often into employment, again, into safe and secure employment just because they cannot uh, withstand uh, the in insecurity. Yeah. And do you find that there, there, that people have a, a lot more insecurities? I mean, side hustle is something that, that, you, that I heard a lot in the last year or so. It's, you know, it's, you know, what is your side hustle? How can that take over? Is it a passion? Is it a hobby? You know, can you actually monetize it? But do, other pe do, do people have other blocks apart from just the, the financial side? Are there other things that are holding people back from, from taking that, that leap of faith into their creativity? Well, family is a big thing. Family and your peer, peer environment. It's often kind of thrown up on. And it's almost like a secret closet type of hobby or, or thing that people do. It's incredible how afraid people are to say and admit, oh, I'm, I'm a painter by night, or <laughs> I'm a writer, writer by night, you know, things like that. Because it seems like standing up and to people's expectations, what you're living as corporate career, a, a, a big paycheck for what? You're going to be now a yoga teacher? <laughs> Excuse me. But I'm happy. But, but people are like, so, well, aren't you happy with your paycheck right now? It's kind of like I had, it's something that I had to deal for a long time myself. And I've been self-employed for the last four years. And still, I get kind of this, this pushback a lot from my family. Friends, I've removed all the friends that don't align with my vision, right? So right now, it's really just the family. And, but still, I've done a lot of things. And I was like, okay, I'm, I'm going to use a different name to promote it so that my friends never, never, never know, never learn. So I've gone through my stages of, of being a closet artist, definitely, as well. So I understand where people are coming from. But it's... it's has much to do with how we define success. And it's so entrenched in us that success means 
I am a VP in that and that company and I'm making $10,000 a month or, or, or $100,000 a month. It always seems to be titles and money. That's how we define success. And while it's interesting, many, many, that's another thing. Many creatives don't even think about themselves like I'm actually a startup. I'm actually an entrepreneur. So giving them that kind of like a cool title and just saying, well, you can tell your friends now you're an entrepreneur and you're starting a business. It's kind of like, oh, you're right. I'm actually an entrepreneur. I'm starting business. So boom, you give them a title. So of course, then how to ensure that they have the money so that they can say, okay, I'm leaving my job because my side hustle is making me the same amount or even more, but on top, I enjoy it. Yeah. Right, so that they can say, oh, this is my title entrepreneur and I'm making this and this amount. Only then kind of like your family and your peer group, they kind of grant you that right, okay, go and pull around, be yeah. creative. Yeah. So it's those, it's those shoulds that we, we kind of live with, isn't it? From, as I say, from childhood, you know, we, we kind of, our families and friends have expectations of us and we, we do feel like we need to live up to it. So what, what was your journey then? How do, where did you start? Because I know you have, I mean, you're a, a huge traveller. You've been to over 50 countries and you were telling me that the only continents you've not been to are Africa and Antarctica, which is incredible. And you've lived all over the world as well. But where did you start? What, what was it back then that kind of had, was that creative bug for you? Where did it start? So I guess I was creative as a child. I always loved writing and painting and drawing and inventing stories and all that. And that's what I do in my mornings. I write a children's book story, which I can talk more about it. Um, But then at some point, I remember as a teenager, I made the choice of actually focusing on succeeding in the world, as they say. You know, go do go to that school, you're going to succeed. Go to that university, you're going to succeed. And I kind of followed that that mold, you know, wherever people promised me I was going to succeed and be happy. That's where I went. And I wanted to be successful and happy. And so I studied and all that. And at some point when I was um, studying, I had two years into my career, I was burned out. I was so burned out and I was desperate. And I knew um, that I needed a break. And the best break is go and do like an Erasmus program in Europe, right? Everybody knows Erasmus. And I was applying hard and I didn't get in because there there were like 20 people applying, three slots. And um, so then I learned that my university has just signed a contract with Mexico. I didn't know where Mexico was. I thought people still ride horses and wear sombreros and sleep under a cactus. That was my image (laughs) of how Mexico is. But I was so desperate, I didn't care. And I was, I remember right until the the day I flew, I had exams. So I didn't really have time to research where I was going to go. And so I just flew. It was out of desperation that I went there more than anything, you know. And I landed here and I had the best year of my life. It was such a great year. I I became, I found friends, you know, I settled down. I had my my Mexican family, you know, I had a boyfriend. (laughs) It was such a great year. And um, because it was an exchange, I wasn't forcing myself for the first time to, you know, succeed in my exams and my my studies and all that. I traveled a lot all all over the country. I bought my first backpack, you know, and I really got into it. 
And um, lucky for me, I, in the next seven years or so that I still, you know, kind of pursuing what was pursuing my corporate career, I made sure I travel all the time. You know, I took my breaks. I backpacked for nine months around Latin America, you know, and then when I was choosing my, uh, my master's program, I was really strategic about it. I'm like, okay, where could I go that I haven't been yet? And so I went to Australia, you know, I spent a year there. And then after Australia, I had to do an exchange uh, for one semester. And then I chose Singapore specifically because I was like, okay, let's go and check out Asia. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I was trying to kind of combine my travel back and my curiosity about other cultures with the things that I thought I must do to succeed, which was career and good grades and and um, consulting job and you know so I, I I went into consulting and stayed in Singapore for almost seven years but I also always left and traveled and then I would say um, it was the calling of my soul that uh, it was exactly seven years ago June seven years ago that I woke up one day and I had this idea for a book and just a story, just a story. And for some reason, I decided to just sit down and start writing. And I started writing and I'm not a writer. I'm still, I'm still not a good, I'm not a good writer. I've never done any courses or anything, but I just followed that curious energy that started coming through me. And that's what I, I how I experienced creativity in the first place. It's not somewhere in my mind, in my brain, in my rational, it doesn't reside in the rational side of me. It's somewhere out there because I was, I start my, my intuition, my creativity, maybe that female energy, I don't know, people call it female energy. I was focusing really on that rational studying, achieving and all that. And for 20 years and I stopped that, that other part, but it just broke, broke through somehow. And I found it curious. So there is that this, this energy kind of like sitting in my energy body and it, it inspires me to just go and sit down and like pull on it like a thread and there are words coming out of it and there are ideas coming out of it. And I started writing it and I'm like, well, this is curious. And I'm, I'm, I'm my biggest fan, the biggest fan of that story because I don't know where it's going to go. And there are things that I've wrote four years ago and then I write about it now and I'm like, well, now it makes sense why I wrote that particular sentence or that particular paragraph four years ago. Now it kind of came full circle. I'm like, I'm not that smart to actually come up with something like that that would make sense to me four years later, you know, connecting the dots and that it's becoming bigger and bigger and it's taking shape and form. And it, I'm, I'm just, I became so fascinated by, curi by, by creativity, by that energy yeah. more than anything. That's, I mean, it's funny. I mean, there were two points that came up in what you were just saying there. The first uh, goes back to your traveling and your traveling in your work life and almost uh, engineering your traveling that, to fit in with your in mm -hmm. with your work. Because I think there's, there, there's something very creative in what you were doing there. Absolutely. Um, but I had a, I had another guest uh, called Jeff Cottrell who seemed to do a similar thing. He had this thing about music but he went into advertising and somehow he managed to engineer the whole of his career so that everything he did with advertising came back to the music. And he did, he's did done some amazing things with, with what he was doing. Um, and it's almost similar to yourself. It's that, that creativity almost at that point for you was, was the traveling. And I can, you know, I've sort of traveled a fair amount myself, but just, you know, drinking in the different cultures, seeing different, 
artwork, you know, you know, talking to different people, having those conversations. There's something very creative in just... Well, I definitely it. never thought about it that way. Now, as I reflect, and I reflected a lot on my life in the last six years, I zoom out more and more and start seeing the patterns and the creative process of my whole life. Yes. It's just that maybe I was on, on kind of definitely on autopilot, not really just acting and reacting. Yeah. And somehow I was lucky enough that maybe at certain points the, the intuitive part of me was coming through and I was making better choices as a result, but not because I was planning or crafting, creating anything. Yeah. But now one thing that I always say, I am the queen of my life. Yeah, and that's something that I encourage also people to think, um, you know, to think along those lines about their own life. You are the king of your life. You're the queen of your life. Let's start creating. And now I'm definitely much more creative and strategic and much more on top of and not acting and reacting, but more like zooming out. Okay, this is and always taking the past into the future because there is something like, like I was just saying about the story, something I wrote four years ago that now makes sense. It's exactly the same with my life. Yeah. There is a certain choice that I made 16 years ago, like let's go to Mexico. Yeah. 16 years later, I'm living in Mexico again. And it's kind of like I'm going full circle and it's whatever I started 16 years ago, now it's ending, but now I understand why. Yeah, and that's, that's kind of what I was saying in that with the, with the travel and the work, it, I don't think it was conscious. I don't think you planned mm -hmm. it like that, but I think your subconscious kind of just steers you in those directions without you even really thinking about it. And as you say, it, everything that you've been through, and that was the second thing that I was going to say was a, a guest I had called Tom Morris, who's a philosopher, he's fantastic. Um, he uh, was saying, his father used to say to him, the adventure you're on now uh, is preparing you for the next adventure. And so exactly as you said, you're always kind of looking back and, and the, the adventure that you've been on colours what it is that you're doing at, at this particular time. And also he wrote a book that he just said he woke up one morning, the idea was there, he went upstairs and he wrote 10 pages without even thinking about it. And, you know, stuff that he had in his head, he'd research, he'd go to Google he'd and, and find that what he was thinking was actually what was happening or what had happened back in 1934 in Egypt. So it is that there is something that is, that is unconscious in us. Um, so in, in terms of that, what then is your definition of creativity? How would you define creativity? Right now, the way I experience it is an energy. It's almost like, like uh, I feel it now. It's like a, like a shower, like a like water sprinkle on me. It's very sweet and it's very clean. And it's, it's kind of penetrating my, my entire being. Because I'm very sensitive to my energies, because I've done so much energy work on myself, more and more I'm asking myself the question is uh, the question of who I am really. Is that energy something else out there separated from me? But then it's exactly the same energy that has been engineering my life. Then, then it, it Again, it, it makes me ask the question, is there more of me? Is this me or is there another portion of me that is the architect of what I'm 
in this body experience. And of course, it takes us in this whole spiritual realms. But because I really wanted to understand myself and who I am so much. And that's one of the things that I, I do is really exploring the mental states, uh, the potential of, of all that there is. And the more and more I, I'm, I, I experience myself as a, as a being almost that is using this body to create something, but there is so much more of me and it's so much more intelligent and wiser and more experienced than I, then the question is, of course, is it, is it maybe just another part of me that it has always been there and it's just now kind of like shining its light through maybe a much more cleaner and much more receptive channel because I wasn't receptive to anything a few years ago, definitely. I was like, I know it all. <laughs> let me figure it out. Let me do this. But now I surrender retreat more and more. I understand that I don't know it all. Like I, this, this, this person that I'm, I'm role-playing almost, and because I know you're an actress, so you might understand, but there has been so many situations in my life where I felt like I'm just on a stage and I'm playing a role and I'm acting things out, but then the curtain falls and I move on and I act something else somewhere else with someone else, you know? And it's kind of like me moving from one stage to another stage and to another stage. Maybe that's kind of concern. I never thought about it that way, but maybe this whole traveling and being in different places and experiencing myself in different places, it broadened my horizons so much because you grow up in a bubble, you get conditioned, you get shaped into a certain thinking, and then you go somewhere else. Oh, you don't think about it that way. You think about it completely differently. And it kind of helped me kind of almost like, um, uh, you know, like remove all that conditioning that no longer served me. Yeah. Like you told me only red color is good color, but actually somewhere in Asia, they think green color is a better color or like, like even, yeah. So you start kind of completely, your, your, your certain beliefs just fall apart and you start realizing, oh my God, I have actually the freedom to choose how I see my reality, how I experience my reality, which means I can create it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, that, that's what, but that is what travel does, isn't it? That, that is exactly why travel is so important and why people that kind of live in these bubbles where they don't, they don't go outside of their own community um, don't experience that, I don't think. Because once, you, once you've experienced other cultures, um, other languages, all of those things, then you do, you take it all on, not necessarily consciously, but it kind of stays with you and it does broaden your mind. And that's, that's the whole thing. And I love the idea about those different stages and being different characters almost in different areas of your life, because you think you should be almost. You are playing to the crowd. So you're playing to your audience, wherever you might be at whatever time. And actually, I think there comes a point in our lives where where we have to, we, we become so comfortable in ourselves, actually, that we don't need to play those parts anymore. And I think that's when you can open up and that's when that flow of creativity, that energy can actually, you know, there's space for it because we kind of dropped all that baggage. Yes, but often it's, how do you even get there? That's, an, that's another thing that I hear people say a lot, I'm not creative. 
Mm. How do you get there? Like, it's good to hear that Lena is all open channel and then she's just flowing. There's shower sprinkling on her all the time. But how do I get there? You know, this is not something that many people can relate, even those people that consider themselves to be very, very creative because their experience of creativity is different. So, and that leads me to this other um, uh, thought of, you know, your, your unique brand of intelligence. It seems almost like creativity or what it means has been all defined. There is the dancing, there is the music, and there is the, the movies, and there is the, it's kind of like has been all uh, compartmentalized. Com com yes. Yes. And so uh, an average person would think, oh, I don't dance, you know, I don't paint, I don't write, like I, I don't do any of those things that people consider creative. But then it, it, but it's because I, it's it's even that this, that that understanding or that um, definition of what creativity needs needs to evolve. Your life is so unique. Nobody is like you. Nobody out there is like you. Your traumas, your your bad days, your good days, your your crazies, your 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 good sides, all of that. It's a creation, and nobody is like you. So let's start there. Let's start there. And often in my coaching, what I do is taking people back into their past lives. You will never understand what your unique creativity is until you understood your life and understood where, you know, it's kind of like what I was saying, zooming out and looking at it from a broader perspective, because often people get stuck on just one piece of the puzzle, which is today and my worries of tomorrow. Well, how about you zoom out and look at the whole life, uh, your entire life's journey, your hero's journey until, until now and see what makes you unique and what makes you think differently from me. And it doesn't matter if you traveled all over the world or you've stayed in your village all the, all the time, but there's something that is so unique and incredible to you. And that's already, that's your unique creation. Even if that creation is based on bad choices, there are no bad choices. Eventually it's all going to lead to better choices. So, but then what, what, is your unique way of thinking. That's already your creativity. That's already your unique brand of intelligence. Nobody thinks like you. Yeah. And based on how you think, how you see the world, what is it that you love doing? What is it that, that's another thing, you, you know, that people feel like they're not allowed. Yeah. There is a lot of, I'm yeah. not allowed to do this. I'm not allowed to pursue um, to pursue whatever whatever secret secret desire secret hobby that I have, but all of us there is I I don't think there is any person on this planet that doesn't have some sort of a secret guilty pleasure that they would love doing, but what they don't realize that secret guilty pleasure is is something that can easily be turned out, turned into something that you could capitalize on. We're not ending here. Just taking a quick break to remind you that you are listening to Power to Speak, the podcast with guest creative entrepreneurship coach, Rena Lang. And there will be more from Rena. But first, we hear from our friend, fellow podcaster and storyteller, Andrew Thorpe. We're all in the persuasion business, whether that's pitching to a potential client selling ourselves in a job interview, or convincing a teenager to tidy their room. 
How we frame our message and how we deliver it makes all the difference. And this is the theme of my podcast, Leaning Forward. I'm Andrew Thorpe. I'm a speaker, a trainer, and a storyteller. And I'd love you to tune in to our latest episode. Thanks, Andrew. Now back to Rena. I mean, permission to do stuff, I think, is something that comes up a lot in what I do. You know, when I'm in a room with adults that they don't want to be actors, they just want to play. They just want to be given permission to have fun, you know. And and I find that with people speaking, they need permission almost to speak out, be loud, you know, actually show up. Um, and, and people need permission almost to be creative. As, as you say, lots of people kind of get into get put into a box when they're a child by their family and they, they think they should end up doing something that they don't want to do and, and suppress their creativity. They just need to be given permission. Well, that's the beauty with all those, you know, um, guys now that are becoming millionaires in the teenage years. I guess now this, this stigma or this belief uh, in my time, definitely, there was this still belief you have to study economic science to succeed and all that. It kind of like falls away almost. And uh, people are really questioning universities and their, their ability to prepare us for life. And more and more, those who are intelligent, super bright kids, they're actually jumping off that bandwagon. You know, they no longer follow the same rules and beliefs just because they now, you know, a lot of money can be made elsewhere on the internet and you don't need a, deg- a degree for that. In fact, it stifles your creativity, it kills out any desire and it just molds you into an employee more than anything. And so I, I think the next generations will have opportunities that we never had. But it's not too late, you know, it's not too late. That's why I focus on those who are in corporate careers like, like myself, like ended up and showing them, well, just because you bought into that belief 20 years ago, it doesn't mean you have to keep sitting on this, this train any longer. If a 16-year-old can make money and you have your experience, yes, you might not know not, not coding and all that, but there is something that you have that that, child, that teenager doesn't have. And we need to just clean you up almost like clean up all the beliefs, all the limits, all the programs, all the insecurities, all, all, all that, that you've picked up that from your parents, from the society, whatever, and unleash that potential so that it's not too late so that you don't waste, let's say the rest of your life doing something you don't want. Yeah. I mean, how, how long, do, how long do you think it takes to clear somebody of mindsets that they've, they've had since childhood? I mean, <laughs> It's, it's quite a, a, a big process, isn't it? I think when it hurts bad enough, people are ready. It, people are ready when I was depressed. You know, I followed all that carrot chasing for a long time. And the more I succeeded, the more depressed I was. And until one day, I, you know, I couldn't sleep for three weeks. I couldn't sleep for three weeks and I was depressed and I was miserable in my job and I was miserable. And, but I didn't know a way out. I didn't know that there was anything else out there for me. Nobody came and told me, well, what I'm telling you now. Um, I just woke up one day and again, maybe the intuition came through and I woke up one day, one morning and I had this idea, you know, I have to start meditating. And I guess 
for a lot of people when they hit rock bottom, this, there is this calling of quieting, for call, quieting the mind, learning meditation, exploring themselves. And a lot, that's why there is such a hype around, um, you know, meditation and yoga and wellness and all that, because it kind of, kind of brings you back to who you are and removes the clutter. And eventually it's within all of us. I think the nature of the soul is creative. It's to create the whole, if you look at the whole evolution of the planet earth and evolution of humanity is nothing but creation. Look how far we've gotten just in the last hundred years, right? And it's incredible, but a lot of people there on the sidelines and they're letting somebody else reshape their world. And they're just on the, on, there for the, for the ride. But I think because there is, we are consciousness, we are all one and we are all connected somehow, we're all influencing each other. Whether you want it or not, we're swimming in the same pool. And eventually as the consciousness rises and there is now this trend of exploring yourself and being who you are and doing what you want, and even if you're not consciously looking for that, but on the media, television, people you hear, you know, on the next table in the cafe talking about it, it's kind of like planting seeds in you. Yeah. And eventually in every one of us, those seeds are going to grow. And, and one day, you know, if, even if my mother is now awakening to, to this whole thing, then I, I, I think the especially younger ones are more likely to kind of like, Oh, I want more for myself because look at Rina, she's traveling all over the world and it seems to, to be having a good time. So yeah. many people are reaching out to me and saying I inspired them because they just follow me on, on social media. It's not my intent, but I'm like, yeah, well, <laughs> if I can be the trailblazer, that's, that's perfect. So eventually all of us, we will be waking, waking up to our own inner guidance. Yeah. And it's, it's following that that intuition it's all about coming back home so, so what would absolutely so what would you say then to a, a young person about to embark on maybe further education so whether they're deciding whether they should go to university or what they should be doing around about that age what would your advice be to them at that point in, in order to o open themselves up like you've been in, like you've been discussing well I don't advocate not having education I think I don't regret my 20 years in corporate because it makes me now much more efficient. It helps me combine the rational and creative side because you need to develop both. Being too much up in the clouds leads you to become a creative, a starving creative, starving, starving artist. But it's building your foundations. And while, uh, you know, I, I wouldn't probably study again myself, but I don't regret that because I met incredible people. I have an incredible network and it shaped my thinking in a certain way, which was good. But then it's about keeping the best and letting go of what no longer serves you. And um, I think universities are also evolving and looking maybe for better programs that are going to encourage you in, in your pursuits more than trying to mold you into an employee. And I think there is a lot of evolution going on as well. So maybe going for some, some better program, it's, it's, a, it's a good start. And listening to what feels right to you. 
And that's, I think, something that young people struggling so much is making the right choices. Um, one thing that I uh, told myself and decided for myself is never forcing anything on my system. If it just doesn't feel right and I have to force myself, it's not the right thing. Our, our body has an intelligence too. And it's, it's probably the, the, for any teenager or for any young, young person who's trying to make a choice about their future, if the parents are saying, go to that medical school and everything within you says, no, I want to rather play my guitar, then listen to that intelligence. But then, of course, come up with an alternative that would work for you and your parents, because you also cannot be hanging out at your parents' house until you're like 30. <laughs> That's also not an alternative. So then, then be proactive. If you, what your parents are suggesting, what the society is, not, is suggesting is, is not feeling right to you, then become a, a creative, a, a, a proactive decision maker. Go online and research and see until you find something that kind of like in your gut feels like, well, let me do that. Even if you spend an, an, a year studying and then after a year, you, you, you have the permission, give yourself the permission to change your mind. We are changing careers now all the time. And we're changing jobs every two years. Yes, it's, a, it's, a, it's bad for, for companies, but I think it's good for us as human beings because we get to experience ourselves in different contexts. Yeah. You know, and I changed careers. It's, it's not my first change of careers. I think I changed careers like three or four times now. But I, I, everything that I've learned in my first job, you know, in finance, everything I learned in my next job in consulting and everything that I learned as an entrepreneur, it all shaped me and created this who I am now, which makes me now much more um, better positioned to serve my clients. Mm -hmm. And it helped me distill my niche. Yes. So I suppose then the the uh, advice would be uh, to, to to not be frightened of making mistakes, not be frightened of of going into something that doesn't suit you, because you can take some experience from it. Well, that's the thing. What is a mistake? Yeah. Now that I reflect on my life, the things I thought were my mistakes, there were opportunities. They were the stepping stones. Unfortunately, we don't learn from the good things in life. We learn from the so-called mistakes and failures and bad things. But actually, now I reflect on them. I was I see them as gifts yeah. from the universe. And I think because there is so much stigma around what a failure or mistake is. And guess what? In in the past, when we were children, for, for mistakes, we get beaten, we get punished, we get sent to our rooms. We are so afraid of those mistakes because even when we have grown up and living alone, nobody's going <laughs> to attack me here for <laughs> saying the wrong thing or doing the wrong thing. But still, there is this feeling that somebody is watching me and with a stick. And as soon as I make, make a little mistake, they're going to come after me. And it's, it's, it's such a conditioned belief it's, it's all about freeing our, our, ourselves up. And I see you've written down there, Serena Smart Rebel, which is my Instagram. And the rebel there stands really for, it's not rebelling against society. We did the best we could. And our ancestors did the best they could. It's, uh, they could. it's not about blaming and shaming, making them wrong. 
It's about rebelling within me what no longer serves me. What purpose does it serve me to be afraid of failure if there is nobody to punish me for it anymore? You know? And if there is some sort of a, a loss from it, like I lost money on it, I made a big, big choice. Well, I would rather lose 500 euros now, learn from that mistake, then keep that, that mistake grow and then lose 5 million on that mistake. So it's not a mistake again. It's again, well, I lost 500 euros. I didn't lose 5 million. Next time I'm going to keep 5 million. So yeah. it's, about, it's about having that bigger vision and seeing it well, Let's learn the lesson. Let's internalize it, but which is again spending time, spending time on thinking about it from a bigger picture. Is how does this fit in the entire thing that I'm trying to produce here, create here with my life? How does this fit in? How do I find a place in the mosaic of my life for it? This is the mistake. But now it's a beautiful thing that I can actually tell stories about it and I can teach others and I can help, you know. It's, people love those funny stories about failures. They love them. That's why everybody also integrates them in, into their motivational speeches. It's all about trial and error and succeeding and overcoming. And that's what makes the, a better story. If I said, like, my life is perfect, never failed, never anything happened, <laughs> people will be like, okay, uh, duh, I want to go. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to the story anymore. <laughs> it's yeah. not inspiring, yeah. right? So at least you can just say it's, it can always be a better, a better, a good story to tell, to yeah. tell my, my kids, my grandchildren yeah. later on. I've got a few great stories. <laughs> um, I've heard you say before um, about having, having a coach in every family. Do you think it? Do you think what you've said, you know, that, that actually from an early age or certainly within a fa family dynamic, there needs to be a coach somehow? Yes. So this idea came from, again, from me traveling and I spent some time in Argentina. And I've heard about this before that in Argentina, they have a therapist in every family. And because I think they have quite a traumatic past, which is, which is, yeah, understandable. And when I went, went to Argentina and, uh, I get to know people there and I was staying with my, my ex-boyfriend's family, I really realized, okay, it's true. And now it's kind of, again, going full circle, you know, 10 years later, me thinking about coaches, I'm like, how come there is a therapist in every family in Argentina? There should be a coach in every family on this planet. <laughs> and so, because I've gained so much from being coached. And I always talk about this analogy of, of an air balloon, you know, how, uh, coaching, I almost see it like being with your client in an air balloon in the same basket. It's just that many people, they're so used to looking at their shames and blames and guilt and the sandbags, basically. And the coach is there to say, well, forget the sandbags. Forget the sandbags. Let's look at the air balloon. Look up. There is a beautiful air balloon. Let's color it. Let's give it texture. Let's give it, you know, let's explore your visions, your dreams around it. Let's Let's create this beautiful image that both of us are going to strive for. And we're going to take you there. Let's spend most of our time on that bigger dream, bigger future, better future. And that's, I think, something really, really new um, that we, we, we kind of like unleash our, our ability to dream. And creativity has a major play to par part to play in it. Like in the past, when I was asked, like, what do you want to do with your life? And what do you, you know, dream out of the box? 
And I would be like, well, three things, <laughs> three things. I wouldn't even dare to be beyond where I am right now because I was so conditioned. This is my life. This is my bubble. And nothing will ever change that. And then now I've transitioned to this completely different consciousness where I'm the queen of my life. I'm creating everything all the time. Now I have sometime in November last year, I sat down and what is it that I want to do with my life? And I mapped it out for the next 50 years and I have thousand items. I put it all into Excel sheet, I have thousand items. And I went really wild and crazy, you know, from going to the moon <laughs> to exploring Mars. Yeah, I, I, I didn't have any breaks anymore. And it was so much fun. I spent the whole day, I was obsessed. I spent the whole day just writing, 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 writing. And then I typed it all up and finally it was exactly 1,000 items, which is like, again, what a weird number. How did I write for a whole day and it's exactly 1,000 things? And now I feel like after that exercise, I things changed. Things really changed for me. Yeah. I'm like almost like entering a completely new phase of my life. Yeah. And it's not like that. I'm like sitting, sitting here and figuring out how I'm going to go to Maris. I'm just like, the how is not my problem. The what, the what is the interesting part of it. Do you think the process of actually writing that list changed your mindset? It's, it's, it's almost like somehow it's like, it was like maybe an opening of my consciousness. All the little things that ever kind of like, crossed my mind that I would want to do I they were all over the place and they were kind of forgotten in the different wrinkles and corners of my mind but I think because I was working myself so much and expanding and breaking free and rebelling and letting go and doing doing so many inner working processes that one day I just sat down and it kind of like in a flash it just came from all the hidden corners of my mind all these crazy little ideas that I had throughout my entire life, they just came flashing and I just wrote, wrote, and wrote, and wrote as fast as I could. And then I realized that, again, it's like take your life into the future. All that information was already there in my mind. At some point, one point or another, thought, considered, maybe never reflected, never well, it's a crazy idea. I mean, going to Mars, I mean, you better forget that, that, that dream, that idea. It will never happen, you know? And it kind of all got swept on the carpet. This is like just foolish, foolish thoughts, foolish ideas. Uh, let's not even entertain it. Yeah. Because I was so like rational. The rational thing is like, let's master the physical plane. What is in here? Let's get done what can get done. Let's be realistic and let's not dream beyond that. But I love uh, reading biographies. I love reading biographies. And then often it now, it, it, again, reflecting came to me that often these people, they broke rules. They rebelled and they thought differently and they saw things that others don't see. And now when people come to me, like, what is it that you're trying to do with your life? You know, maybe criticizing me, my family, whatever. And I'm like, I see the next 40 years of my life and you don't see beyond your day. And everything for you is scary, but for me, it's like it's all mapped out and it's full of possibilities. And I know it all, it, it's all going to happen. And look how far I've even gone in the last nine months. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. Uh, it's a, that's amazing. That's maybe an exercise I should try. 
actually, uh, because it, we are, we, we, we do kind of stay here. And, and I've had trouble with the coaching that I've done and the processes that I've been through. I still have those issues. I've, I've come a long way in the last nine months, certainly. But in terms of people say, you know, what's your dream? What do you know? What do you want to achieve? And you kind of go, oh, yeah, I'd like to achieve that. But actually, yeah, going to Mars is not something that would be on my list. But I, I don't I don't think that big and I wish I, I wish I could. And maybe that's something I need to work on. But I'd love to know what your dream then is with with the book. What's the dream with the with the with the children's book and, and why a book for children? Well, it's I think it's me connecting back. It's a bridge between my child, the child me, then 20 years of not doing anything and now as an adult. I think it really built that bridge between, you know, there was a point in my life in my 20s, I couldn't even watch cartoons or anything that had to do with children. I was like, oh, this, this irritated me. And I suppressed that part of me completely. And my boyfriend at the time, he, he was very creative. He always tell, told me like, you need to revive that little, little girl in you, you know, you killed her off. And so it, somehow it broke through my consciousness and writing that book, it's actually, and there are all these characters and they have hundreds of characters in there, but there are eight, main, eight or nine main characters and they're all different parts of me. And I think this whole book is me reconciling and harmonizing and all these different parts because they are starting off with completely different, different stages, you know, and having their traits and, and very, very defined in their traits, you know. And then kind of as the story moves and moves and now they're, they're interacting more and more with each other because they're merging, you know. And it's kind of like what I've been doing. You know, I've, I was all over the place not knowing me and hating kind of kind of all those parts of me and hiding them and being all secretive about them, not living up to them, not standing up to it, shaming, blaming, feeling I'm like I'm a horrible human being. And then writing from that perspective. So there is that person that is very selfish and only thinks about himself. Well, that's me. There is that part of me that is very, very selfish. Let's explore that as a character and bring, give it life and give it voice. And it's almost like that selfish part of me speaking and saying and doing things, you know? And then there is this other part that is very, very intelligent and very, very smart, but is also very arrogant and very, very uh, kind of like um, putting people down because that, that part of me is very, very smart. And then exploring the character that was really, really smart, but very arrogant and um, exploring that part and give it, giving it voice. And it's almost um, for a long time, there was this inspiration coming, yes, of course, the creativity, but I was writing after the space of my emotion. I was definitely writing it and, and color, coloring it through my emotional body, through my hurts and pains and angers and resentments. And all that was what the, what the characters were speaking and saying and doing. It was my pain, almost like, um, what's his name? Eckhart Tolle says, the pain body. Right. And so, but now as I healed and years passed by, and now it's much less me writing out of my my anger, my emotion. It's more like out of my my heart and and my my love and and caring and, and about the characters and how they interact and them changing into something different as they continue on their journey. 
And I think as, it, as the story evolves more and more, and the third book is going to be probably even something completely different. I'm curious where it's going to take. I don't know where it's going to take. I don't know where the story is going. And I'm just as surprised as everybody else, I assume, if they ever get to see it, what, what things come out. I just sit down and I start writing and I'm like, wow, I never thought that particular character would actually end up doing that. No, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was gonna, I was gonna ask actually, where where does it end? Have you have you got an ending for it? But it sounds as if it's just ongoing. I don't, but I trust it's gonna have an awesome end because, like I was saying, like things I've wrote in the first book now they make sense in the second book, and now it's all connecting. And now even myself, I'm start seeing more and more the the bigger picture. I started out just like there's this character and they're doing this and that and no clear vision of where it's going, nothing. I just followed that intuition, that, that creativity. And today the creativity wanted me to write about this particular character and I just sit down and write. But again, I trust that there is somebody else who's much more intelligent, they know what the yeah. ending is, he <laughs> or she or it, or even me, my subconsciousness. Yeah. And I don't write like in this, I, I let go of this rational mind, like, Start with the end in mind. You need to know how to end. And once you know the end, you start writing it. I just let go. I let it loose. Yeah. I just follow intuitively and I surrender to it and I flow with it. Yeah. And it sounds hopefully cool. it will make sense. But because right now it's just for my own entertainment. Yeah. Well, it sounds like you should, you should meet Tom Morris because he, he started out with a, um, an epilogue that has now turned into like 10 books. So his characters have just gone on and on and on. So how do you how do you know when you kind of round up a book? So you round up the first book before you move on to the second, I would assume. So I do have some sort, I, for the main characters, I kind of know more or less, and I knew from the, the moment I started the first book, I knew where it's gonna go and go. Then I started the second book also for two of the main characters, I know where they go. By the end, where they're going to be by the end of the book, but the others, they're kind of, kind of the story gets kind of waved into it. But at the same time, they're all standalone characters, and the story is also fascinating me. And because I was such an avid book reader, I was always fascinated by secrets and and movies and Indiana Jones and all that. So, and me traveling all over the world, I again, all my experiences are, are getting reflected in in the movie. In the, movie, in the book, they get all, all kind of waved into it. And maybe I finished the story on, the, on my deathbed. I don't know, maybe it's going to be also 10 books. Uh, because now, uh, you know, my characters started dying and I'm mourning them. No. Well, <laughs> and you know, maybe the film is, would, would a film version be a dream? Actually, that's my biggest dream, that it's going to become a, a Disney movie or something like that. That's why I'm also not, uh, my, my writing is not polished. I'm, I'm not keen on taking any courses anytime soon or anything because I don't want to overthink it. I want to just play around with my creativity with that energy, nothing else. But I'm thinking, well, if somebody, if it ever turned into a movie, then it has, doesn't have to be so perfect and maybe I can hire somebody later to edit it. But that's my biggest dream. And the way I write it, I am very visual. I'm very visual. I almost see it play out before my eyes. I see... The, the characters, how they look like and, and where they are in their homes. And when I, it, actually that's another thing. It's the story is based on, let's say fictional. It's kind of like uh, Lord of the Rings type of, you know, uh, place. But I'm inventing completely new things because like the, the, 
elves and, and the dwarves and all that. It's been just so used up. It's almost like an Avatar movie, you know? Avatar is really, they've created something completely new and different and set, set on a completely different world. And so for me, that's how I see it. something completely that doesn't exist, just playing around with animals and beings. And, and, and somehow I just see them as if I've been there or, or, yeah. or, or whatnot. So it's my, maybe that's, I, I have mentioned this before, but it's not only that that energy comes to me, but it comes to me as a vision, really. Yeah. yeah. And so it's almost like trying to give it shape and word, form and, and I write in English on top. It's not even my, my mother tongue, but somehow I feel like it helps me better connect to it. And just recently I was asked to do something like, can you say it in German? I'm like, well, German really drops everything down to the rational level for me. And then I think I'm thinking, well, if it's, I speak Spanish or Portuguese, it's like it's 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 this creative part of me. But I think English is such a good balance because it's like this Germanic language, but heavily influenced by French, you know, the, the romantic languages. So it's kind of like the rational and the yeah. and the creative side in both. And that works best for me. That's why on top of that, that's why my writing is not Polish, but who cares? It's like, yeah, I'm just- that, that's amazing. I'm just, I, I hadn't even thought of, uh, I hadn't even considered that. Obviously German is your, is your first language, but you know, eight languages or whatever, however many you know. <laughs> yeah, so, so why do you, and you've just ex explained exactly why you why you write in English, because that's what I was going to ask. I never thought about it until recently. I was having a hypnosis session with someone. And I was like, well, that's the reason. And now it makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of a, a midline, isn't it? Which is, again, what I'm trying to do my entire life is yeah. balance, balance maybe my creativity and the, 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 the kind of like almost the dream world with the physical world. I'm yeah. trying to balance it. And maybe that's what I meant to do in this life yeah. is really balance it, it, the both of it, both of it. Yeah. And I'm helping someone who is stuck in the rational side, tickle it out again, out of them, the creative, creative side, and then give it shape and form because you need both yeah. if you want to succeed. Yeah. Wow. Well, good luck with it. And I, I you know, I hope it just keeps on coming. It's, I mean, you, yeah, you need to, Talk to Tom Morris, but just very lastly before we finish, I'd love to know. I'm going to ask you what what your what's coming up for you. But I'm really interested, actually, now that I've spoken to you. Um, what were you doing before lockdown in your business? Have have you have you very much now gone online, or were were you online before we all kind of the world locked down? Yes, so I I was online before already. So I I left my corporate job four years ago and then I traveled for one year just finding back to myself you know um, and then for the next two years I was I was working mostly online along the spiritual lines so I was um, offering spiritual services and but my focus was not creativity or any of that my focus was I wanted to be happy I still just wanted to be happy and um, that's all I was asking, you know, that's all I was asking of the universe. You know, I don't, I don't want to save the world. I don't want to save people. I don't want to serve. I don't want to do any of that. Can I just please be happy? That's all I ask. Can I just please be happy? And um, I was, I spent a lot of time and money on, on spiritual work, on yoga and, and going to Nepal and meditating for a month in Nepal and going to Indian ashrams and all that, because all I knew I wasn't happy. And I knew somehow, again, maybe intuitively, that the only way forward was to heal myself emotionally. 
because there was this this emotional pain body, right? There, that's that's what's holding us back. And I wanted to be free from it. I wanted to be free from from that pain, from that emotions, and. That's all I was asking. So the two years that, that I spent the next really working on, on my business, it wasn't my priority. It was just to finance my travels and to finance my spiritual work. And But then last year, one day I just woke up and I'm like, I'm happy. I'm the happiest person I know officially. <laughs> and so then something changed. My focus shifted completely. And now I am at the stage where I was like, I want to create something because I want my business. I want to impact people. I want to share what I know, but because I built my foundation, I built my foundation. So what is your foundation? That's the question for anyone who is listening. Many people think, oh, my foundation is my money on the bank account. Oh, my foundation is all those life insurances. Oh, my foundation is my family, my husband. Oh, my foundation is, is something outside of them. But guess what? You can lose it all in an instant. All of it can be gone because that's not the real foundation. And somehow, since my childhood, that story about the three little pigs, you know, mm-hmm. oh no, what, what was it? Three little, I think yeah, three, three little, little pigs, pigs that were build, building the hats. Yeah, yeah. That story that struck a chord with me since my childhood, like, like, like building a hat and, and then the, 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 the wolf came and whatnot. I, fascinating. Actually, those stories have so much more meaning. And only now, as I've grown up, I understand it, that. Know where the real foundations are, and so I guess again intuitively somehow I knew that the foundation is me being happy, me healing what needs to be healed inside, you know, acquiring all those tools and skills and techniques so that I can be a, a place for people to rest on, almost like the wall to lean on, and that they know I'm not going to collapse. So when you work with your clients, often with with and that going through tumors and all that being always the, the potential almost for them. But at the same time, you can cry, you can share, you can show, you can express, I'm going to be fine. I'm going to be fine. It's not going to pull me down. Because when you don't have your foundations right and you start working with other people, you have your own stuff to deal with. But then on top, you're seeing several clients a day and you are a little bit like an emotional garbage bin. You are. Yeah. And then if you, if you don't have any way of protecting yourself, or, or, or cleaning yourself up and your foundation is not right, how long can you sustain it? Yeah. yeah. You know, and so then I knew I'm strong now. I'm in a good place. I can work and I can create and I can sustain. So I almost see myself like like that wall or, or that springboard that a lot of things can now be piled up on top and I know I can sustain and become yeah. even stronger as a result. Yeah, it's that pyramid, isn't it? It's, you know, having, having everything on the, as mm-hmm. that foundation, absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, so what's next? I mean, I know that, and we know each other with the coaching community that you and Ildiko have started and, you know, so, so what is, what, what's the next big step for you? What's coming up? A lot, a lot. So we are actually um, rethinking the whole, whole concept uh, together with Ildicon, where we are going, what is it that we are trying to do. And we have quite a few ideas. We want um, more and more get into conversations that are really, really interesting and relevant and important to people. And uh, we are very close to our community, as you know, and listening to what people share. Um, but I think what we have not been tr- trying to do much is bringing our own interests into the community 
and whatever we were doing, Eldika and I, and our own coaching businesses and on the side, it was kind of like there is the coaching community and there are the other coaches and this is a passion project and we're working on that. And then there is us, our businesses, our work, our whatever we are doing to, to kind of like finance our lives. And it's not sustainable. So what we are, where we are going now into is actually merging the two and really aligning what is it that we are, we are doing, our joys and our curiosities and our, our desires and aligning and combining and bringing it in so that um, it, perhaps the group gets penetrated a bit more also with, with our vision, with our, with our energies. I know we've, we've created the mold and we shaped it to a certain level, but Ildika and I, we were trying hard to stay in the bar- background. Because we're like, we don't want to be queen bees. We don't want to, we want to shape and others are going to do it. But I think uh, where we, the point we are reaching now is, well, maybe just creating and sustaining is not enough. We have to maybe step into it as well. And as we step in, others are going to step in more and more. And it's, it requires some, some inner resistances to overcome. Yeah. And um, we are taking also now the summer break. Yeah. Um, because summer, summer is here and we want to really enjoy it because we worked so hard to build it up. But we really like where we are right now. Yeah. And we look forward to more collaborations and more, steady, you know, putting ourselves forward. Yeah. Uh, probably from September onward. As yeah. soon as, as we know. I mean, it's an amazing concept of, of bringing, uh, you know, I mean, with the virtual coaching course that we met on, there were over over 600 people there was over like a thousand coaches all training and learning with us um and and you've managed to sort of continue uh with the coaching community which is which has been absolutely brilliant and also in in this kind of weird time that we've been through with covid over the last 15 months we now are getting used to seeing each other on screen and we now are used to sort of communicating but i think it's amazing that you and ildico you being in mexico ildico being on the south coast of the UK, not far from me, um, that you've managed to build this together. I think it's uh, it's amazing, and and you know this is this is the new world, isn't it? And obviously, if you've been working online beforehand, but I this is this last year has been completely new for me, so I've not done the. I think, kind of I think it has. It will have a lot of positive impact on people as well because we are now all online. I think as soon everything goes back to normal. I think people will actually want to meet each other much more than we, we, we used to want, let's say a year ago or one and a half years ago when, when this all started because we, we are so staffed for company, real company. Yeah. So I think we, we needed that from, from seeing each other face to face all the time, then everything online. And now in this extreme, like forced to do everything online. And then I think it's going to balance it out, balance itself out once yeah. this is over. I think, I think it will. I think there'll be more of a hybrid as well. I don't think this is ever going to go away. Um, mm-hmm. I think I think we've found this now, and it's you know I certainly feel I'm coaching with somebody from Vermont starting this week. So you know that mm-hmm. would never have happened before. So I'm I'm very grateful mm-hmm. for it. And it makes it so international. You, you see, yeah. it's so international. We used to be so in our bubbles yeah. as well, and it was easy for us to think them and against us and us and them, and. Uh, as you can see now in our community, when we were doing virtual coach, people were from all over the world. Yeah. And we are now friends from all over the world. And maybe we will never see each other or meet or meet each other face to face. 
but still you are influencing me through this conversation and influencing you. And then maybe next time you talk to somebody in Asia, not just from Vermont. Yeah. And then suddenly you realize, oh, there are human beings just like us, right? In the past, probably you would have tried to look for coaches somewhere around you in the UK, but now it's like the world is your oyster. Yeah. And then I think it's, it also has this potential of uniting us even more yeah. and kind of break, breaking down the boundaries because I traveled so much. I had to go and travel and get to know people in other countries, which means money and effort and whatnot. But many people, they don't, have the desire of actually traveling but yeah. suddenly like somebody from thailand is sitting in your home you know in yeah. your living room yeah because you're using zoom and you're yeah. seeing oh there is that person and there are normal people and they also have want to be happy and want to take care of the children just like me yeah so maybe we shouldn't make it more anymore about them and me it's, it's quite intimate as well i think the, the zoom space because you are literally in in a room with them like you're here in my living room i'm i'm in yours and as you say if you're you know in in living rooms all over the world you actually get to get that kind of inside look at, at the way other people live in different countries and as you say they are they live exactly the same way we do um, and yeah. i think that will break down boundaries i think and, and that, that can and unleash perhaps even more creativity because guess what now it kind of wraps off on you and what you say is wraps off on them and then suddenly but also it's kind of like this meeting of minds yeah you know when when two people come together beautiful things happen it's kind of like something happens and the energy just flows yeah. and so we never know curious times i'm actually so excited to live in this times like a few years ago i had a friend who was so upset he was like, oh, I, I was born too early. Imagine all the potential. And I was like, no, you, you were born right at the same time because we get to shape it. We get to, to be in the driving seat of whatever the future somebody else is going to inherit. Yeah. But okay. we are going through such, a, such an incredible period in human history. Like, look where we were 50 years ago. Look where we were 100 years ago riding horses. Yeah. <laughs> and now where we are. Yeah. I mean, I've been just, I, I could talk to you all day because I've got so many more, so many more avenues to go down, but we will, we'll finish now and, you know, maybe we'll, we'll do another one at some other point because it's been really fascinating to talk to you. So thank you very much for being here, Rena. It, it's been lovely to talk to you. So tell everybody that's listening where they can find you. Obviously, I've got your Instagram up here, um, but where, where is best for people to connect with you? Yeah, they can find me on, on LinkedIn, same name, Facebook, same name, or they can just email me as well. So it's Rina Lang, just how it's written there, dot, so Rina Lang together, dot coach at gmail.com. Fabulous, fabulous. And I'll put, I'll put that in the, uh, in the stuff below. So brilliant. Thank you so much for your time today. And uh, I look forward to speaking to you again very, very soon. So me for too. now, goodbye. Pleasure. There were some defining moments in Rena's journey to becoming a creative entrepreneur coach, like discovering her creativity and own unique brand of intelligence. Plus, soaking up a variety of cultures and using her past experiences to influence her present. So, I have some questions for you and I'd love to hear your answers. Tell me, in relation to your own journey, what is your secret guilty pleasure and how could you capitalise on it? What is your unique brand of intelligence and, and how can you use it? How many items are on your dream list? Connect with me on LinkedIn or contact me through the website powertospeak.co.uk and let me know. And remember, 
If you, like all of us, are in the persuasion business and need inspiration or tips on the art of verbal communication, then tune in to Leaning Forward with our friend Andrew Thorpe. Find him where you find your podcasts or at andrewthorpe.co.uk forward slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening. If you like what you heard, then please leave a five-star review on whichever platform you're on. And if you'd like to receive information about future guests or would like to know more about Power to Speak coaching, then sign up for our fortnightly newsletter at powertospeak.co.uk. Bye for now.